Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome to the Blue Day Podcast. I am your host, a man with a face for podcasting who is absolutely bloody shattered, Keith Lawrence. And he is back, folks, joining me as my co-host today. He is the man living it large up north. He's the man who loves a YouTube video. It's Warren. Warren, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. It, feel, it feels like it's been absolutely ages since I've been sat here doing it. It's only been just over a week. But um, yeah, apologies for missing the review of the Man United game listeners, I was terribly, terribly ill. There was no way that I was in any fit state. So apologies for that, but I'm back, ready and raring to go, positive as always, and I've got a reason to be. So looking forward to cracking on. Well, you sound good, so it is nice to have you back. Um, Getting straight on to the game, you know, let, let, let's start where we mean to go on with the... Yes, of course. ...with of the Krasnodar game. Obviously, 4-0, clean sheet, one or two little wobbly moments that in past games have led to goals because fortune's been against us slightly and that's not that's no way an excuse or anything. It's just it's just a fact that we had conceded the least amount of shots on goal in the Premier League and but they just all gone in. <laughs> so um it was a but it was a very, very good, patient performance. There, there there's been times when if you look at some of the better teams or some the best teams of the last sort of ten, fifteen years, if you look at your, your Bayern Munich, your Barcelona's, um, the different generations of Barcelona teams, they've always been so patient. You know, they've always, they've, ne- they've never panicked. They've understood that a team is really, really up for it and they're going to run their socks off for 65 minutes and you might even be one nil down or something, but they never panic and they always pull out the result. And what happens more often than not in these games is when Barcelona got away to a team like Krasnodar and they win four nil, we watched the five, ten minute highlights reel of it. And we see that Barcelona played really well and they won 4-0. You don't see all the patient stuff that you had to see with Chelsea last night. So when it didn't seem like we was moving the ball quick enough and we weren't at times, we was always in complete control, absolute complete control. And it was just the perfect away performance. And I was really, really pleased to see Pulisic, Zayec, Werner. I was a bit disappointed that obviously that Jorginho missed his flippity flop penalty. But um, I was really pleased to see them all getting in the goals. And obviously Callum getting his first Champions League goal. Bit of luck with a bit of a Kepa moment from their keeper. But 
you know, it was, do you know what the commentator mentioned last night was the fact that Callum Hudson-Odoi is still a teenager. And my God, do we expect a lot from him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah it, was true. Just, it was just an absolutely fantastic performance all round. You know, Mendy had a good game. Azpilicueta was solid. Nice to see Rudiger back in the team. I think that that was, you know, let's let's get that one in there. That um, it was good to see him being integrated back into the squad. I think he can be a big player for us. He didn't put a foot wrong all night. Chilwell looks like he's been there forever. Doesn't look, he just doesn't look like he's ever not been there. You know, he just fits like a glove into the team. And Havertz is getting fitter. Um, I've noticed a lot when Havertz picks up the ball, he he always wants to be look really lazy on the ball. I've noticed recently he's been a bit sharper when he's been turning away with a ball and stuff, so he's getting up to fit. He was just... I don't know. Like, I'll hand it over to you for a bit, Keith, because I think it's pretty obvious what my analysis of the game would have been because it was there for all to see. It was a fantastic performance. Big clean sheet. Three clean sheets in a row. Um, against weak opposition, it has to be said, but still, the performance was what it was. What did you think, Keith? Whenever you go to a city, whether it's Amsterdam, Munich, Barcelona, and you come away with not just three points, but a clean sheet. And four goals. It, it, it doesn't matter what city it is. Mm-hmm. It is a great result. And yeah. Krasnodar, who we've never played before, I'm, like a lot of Chelsea fans, probably have not probably do not know, excuse me, a lot about them. Certainly would have known a lot more about us and our players than we did them. Yes, bit of an unknown quantity. However, Mm. I thought the team selection was spot on. I expected the players that came in to make an impression, and they certainly did. If I look at the 11, you know, the, the players that came into the side... Rudiger, you know, I've not been his biggest fan. However, last night, it looked like he was not out of the squad at all. You know, he looked so calm without the ball. He he was actually leading from the back, which, you know... He didn't, neither of the centre-backs st- stepped up with the ball enough in the first half in particular. There was always 20 yards of space. They, they was passing to midfielders that were almost marked by players when the centre-backs were unmarked themselves. They, they, in the first half in particular, they played 20 yards too deep. But it was refreshing to see Rudiger in there because yes. with the experience... I thought that... he was really good under Sarri, especially Rudiger. I think, I think he was really good under Sarri. I think he was a big reason as to why we kept 16 Premier League clean sheets that season, even with Kepper in goal. Um, I think he's got a lot to offer. I am pleased that he's back in the fold. It's more competition as well. It's keeping. It meant Thiago Silva got a good rest, which is what he would have needed. Well, he didn't need to travel, so mm. he will be fresh as a daisy yeah. going up against you know the grim, dark place of Burnley. But <laughs> seeing Kovacic come into the to the side, you know, giving Kante a bit of a break, I thought was quite refreshing. I thought Kovacic had a good game. Ziyech. Yeah. Havertz and Hudson Adoy as the three. Again, they've never played before as a three. It was quite refreshing to see how they would go. I still think Havertz, there's a lot of expectation on him. I know with the price tag, people are going to expect him to at least come up with an assist and a goal every game. Mm. That's not going to happen. So, you know, we need to temper expectations a little bit. But I thought Havertz did okay. Hudson Adoy. 
I disagree with you a little bit because I think that he has got the potential to be a world beater and he hasn't shown it enough. Yes, he has been injured and he has been out of form this season. As I said sort of a few months ago with him and Tammy, this is the season where he needs to step up and to say to Lampard, no, don't buy Jaden Sancho. Don't spend 60, 80 million pounds on another wide player. I am here. I'm the guy that you need. I, I think he did that yesterday. Yeah, I think he start. I think he's is is more than anything, right? Is that there was a few times, and um, maybe it had a lot to do with his injury and the uncertainty, and coming back into the team when it was, you know, when we was actually playing quite well under Lampard at the time. There's obviously like a lot of stuff that's contributed to it, but it's more his attitude. I mean, he didn't have an outstanding game last night. He didn't set the world alight. He was lucky with his goal, but. It's just his attitude was correct. And what I liked about the the sort of our, our attacking three or four players, that, as it were, when they was linking up, is that something that I noticed last season is that we didn't have a lot of shots from outside the box. Because with Kante and Kovacic and Jorginho, you're not going to... And then, obviously, William playing quite high and Pulisic playing quite high, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to be having shots from 20, 25, 30 yards. Zayech got in a few opportunities in a few situations like that last night and I really like that as another option him coming inside and shooting with that left foot he didn't quite get hold of him last night but he's getting there well I agree and you know I'll touch on Timo Werner for a bit I thought his penalty winning another penalty Werner (laughs) I mean his penalty in the second half talk about complete contrast to Jorginho you know, just smash the ball into the back of the net. I thought the actual net was going to break, personally. Do you, do you, it was just... Do you, think, do you think that Timo is making two points? Do you think that he's taking that penalty in that way? Do you think uh, it's possible the next one he steps up and he just curls in the top corner or something? He, he goes for precision sort of thing. I think he's making two very, very obvious and two very, very blatant points. One to Frank Lampard, I should be the penalty taker. I don't fuck about, I'm going to put the ball in the back of the net, right? And I do like Jorginho, it doesn't take anything away from him. But I think he's also making a point to Jorginho. Listen, you don't have to mess about, you can just put the ball in the back of the net. I think he's made two really, I think he's probably been saying it to him in training. Look, yeah, it's great and all the rest of it, but it's just a bit more of a risk than putting your foot through the ball sort of thing. Um, And I think he's probably said it to him in training and he's gone up there and done it in the match. A lot of people are, again, looking at him saying, he needs to score more. He needs to be more effective more. I thought Werner's performance, okay, wasn't the greatest in a in a Champions League game, but he's in the right places and he's got that pace. He showed that, in, I believe, in the first half. I think where... he's, just, he, he's always an option. That's the thing. Well, that. absolutely. And it, it, because it doesn't matter what you're doing. If, you, if you're going down the left, down the middle, down the right, on the floor, over the top, clipped in behind, quick, slow, hold up, shooting from distance, getting in behind. It doesn't matter what option you have. He is an option for it. And that's the beauty of Timo Werner, and that's why he's playing so much. Um, I do think that there's going to come a time quite soon when we're going to have to start... We need to. What we need to do is, unless we want Werner to sit out the occasional game and maybe only come on in the second half or sit it out completely because he completely needs a rest, what we need to start doing is putting games away and putting games to bed after 60, 70 minutes so that he can come off and have 20, 30 minutes rest every now and then because I think that that will be huge with his fit, his sort of fatigue going forward because he's not going to suffer from it too much now but he will do in the second half of the season. 
So um, I think that's why Mount's had a bit of a break because I think I think he'll start this week. I'm pretty sure they would have got a delivery of new socks. So by then they should. Um, I think Mount might start the weekend actually. Possibly. In regards to Werner and your point about you know, whether or not he should be rested for certain games, if you look at the next Champions League game we've got against Rennes at home, I would expect him to start. If we win that yeah. and we win the game against Rennes on the following match day... Yeah, I think that's Frank's thinking. Because we're not in the League Cup and even if we can only rest him for one match day in the Champions League, which might be the the last game at home to Krasendor, for example, I think he sees that as two weeks off for Timo compared to everybody else. So I think he's kind of banking on that a little bit, which is not ideal necessarily, but it is it is what it is, really. I mean, he should play. Well, we've got enough options to come off the bench, you know, with... Werner coming last, off, you've got night. Tammy. Yeah, last night in that position. I mean, Mount can sort of come in there and do a job. Pulisic wasn't playing. Zayek's only just coming back to fitness. Obviously, Hudson Odoi's in there. People can move around and play in different positions. So, yeah, we've got plenty of rotation options in there. So, Warren, what's your thoughts on Hakim Ziyech performances last night? Yeah, um, I think because I think what helped him a lot, I think what helped his performance a lot is the fact that he started. And because when he's coming on and they was they was he touched upon it last night and you touched upon it on a previous podcast, the fact that he hasn't, you know, started a competitive game for, you know, ten months or whatever it is, something ridiculous eight eight months or whatever it is. Um and I think when he came on previously he was trying to make too much of an impact. Whereas last night he's he settled into the rhythm of the game and he picked up the ball in good positions. He was always looking to do something and it was something funny enough that Glenn Hoddle picked up on and um, I listened quite intently when Glenn Hoddle and Joe Cole were talking because they're two fantastically technically gifted players and you know they talk a lot of sense and they both have a strong affiliation to Chelsea so obviously so but apart they, from that other pundit that was on BT Sport last night yeah let's not mention him but um, what the king penis of punditry yes that's the one um, but they mentioned it last night that He's not afraid to lose the ball. And sometimes, you know, when you've got people like Kovacic and Jorginho and Piliqueta in and around him that are always going to play, not always, but more often than not, they're going to play the, the smart ball, the safe ball. It's a good option to have, and he pings some lovely balls out to Hudson-Odoi. And like I was saying, we've got, it's like another option that we've got that we didn't have for Zayek to be coming in and having shots. Um, I didn't see us having too many shots from 20, 25, 30 yards last season, let alone scoring any. Um, and last night, he didn't get hold of them too well, but, you know, it was there to see. I think I think he played quite well. I think he played himself into a bit of fitness. He played the whole game, got his goal, obviously, nice goal, right place, right time. Um, yeah, I think he'd done well. He, he showed good intensity. He showed that he's not afraid to put his foot in. He's not afraid to, you know voice his opinion and when things don't go his way and stuff. So, yeah, I think he's integrated himself really well. Good signing. Well, my view on the third goal, I thought it was lovely. And (laughs) it all started from the pressing from the front, from Timo. If Timo doesn't make that run and doesn't press, we don't score that third. It's as simple as that. And it's because of that click, it's because of that spark that when the front man presses 
and the defender's under pressure with the ball. He tries to pass it back, and then all of a sudden, he's got this rampaging ball yeah. trying to you know, win the ball. It all started from there. And, yo, Hakan Ziyech is taking some time to bed in because, obviously, he's been injured. He's come from Holland, and he hasn't played a lot of I mean, football. He hasn't. I don't think he's taken in that long. He's he's only had a few minutes on the pitch, and I think he looked he looked every bit the Chelsea player last night. He looked slightly off the pace at times, maybe, but he looked every bit the Chelsea player. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what else he what else he does. And yeah, there's not much more he could have done last night. He was no. out, he was outstanding. He covered, he, covered, he, covered, he covered he covered well. Yes, he did. I just want to quickly did. mention the fourth goal. The fourth goal. Yeah, you know, I mentioned the third goal was lovely. The fourth goal was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It was a good finish as well. You know, Tammy showing that desire. This is what I was saying about the pressing. Tammy showing that desire of, no, I'm going to win that ball. I don't care that it's 3-0 in the 90th minute. I don't give a fuck about that. I want to make an impact. I want Frank to pick me to start on the weekend. So I, he, yeah, he does Tam- what he Tam- does. It. T- Tammy, Tammy can smell that... Havertz or Werner eventually, and maybe very, very soon, one of them is going to have to be like rest. And he's probably going to be Havertz because, like, you know, he looks slightly off the pace compared to Werner at the minute and he hasn't quite adjusted as quickly and stuff, obviously, for obvious, very obvious reasons. But I think that he smells that he could come in the team in place of a Havertz and play centre forward and Werner will go out on the left where Havertz would have been. I think he smelled, I think he senses that opportunity and I think that you could see it and it, like you said, Quite rightly there, Keith. You could see it in his desire last night. You know, it was like he pulled that top on with real pride last night and went out there almost as a fan and just really played very professionally and done what he needed to do. But like you say, he had that desire. He had that motivation. And it was it was really, really good to see. And that's what we're seeing from hudson Adoy and Mount and Reese James and all these other academy boys that really, really want to play for Frank Lampard. And that's another reason why I support him so much. And maybe I support him... Um, a bit more and other people make good points about the reason maybe they're not as supportive even though they support him they're not as supportive as me as him it's because of what I'm seeing from the players it's how that I see them react around him and how they talk about him and what he's trying to do and the fact that all these players really 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 want to play for him they don't want to play for nobody else tomorrow he could have gone out alone and played regular football no he wants to stay with Frank and Jody that's why I'm so supportive of him because all these players can't have it wrong and if they want to play for Frank Lampard and nobody else, why do I want... And I want these players at my club. Why do I want anybody else in charge of Chelsea? If they want to play for Frank, then I want Frank in charge of Chelsea because I want them. And they all want to play for him. They all want to play. It was good for Christian to get his goal. Yeah. You know, he again, he started off the season a little bit slow, again, with injury and you yeah. know, lack of form. But he's starting to slowly come into his own now a little bit this season so there are a lot of positives to take from last night Warren regards to the game against Wren that will be coming up next week well I mean we'll sort of discuss it a little bit on our next show but again I'm expecting three points from that if we do get to a stage where we've beaten Wren possibly twice or maybe got four points from Wren. Do you expect Lampard to look at this group and think, OK, we're nearly there. Shall I maybe take the foot off the gas and give players some rest with the Premier League season so, you know, 
going to be Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Do you, do you expect Lampard to ring in the changes? No, absolutely not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that rotation is going to be key and it's going to, it's going to happen game to game with there being a game on the weekend and then midweek every week for God knows how long till January or whatever. Um, so I think there's always going to be room for rotation and that, that might mean four, five or six changes, but like that's not necessarily like, I think the only time he will take his foot off the gas, I put it this way, if we was going into the final round of games and we had 13 points and Sevilla had 12 and the other two teams were way out of it, he would pay, even though he would rotate his team, he would pay a full strength team to win the group. There's no way he'll take his foot off the gas until they win the group. And if they win the group, he will still be fielding strong sides, but he'll be resting who he needs to rest, like without thinking oh do I need to play him he'll be able to do it you know but it was still so for example it would be you know Thiago Silva and Rudiger if they was our two centre-backs we'd bring in Tomori Zuma or Christiansen and you know Reese James would come in if he hadn't been playing and we wouldn't really be playing any less of our first 11 because our first 11 is going to be any 11 of 16 or 17 players and it will be the same players that will play it will still be within that group of core first team players that will play even if we had qualified because he'll want to keep the rhythm so no I don't imagine he'll ever really take his foot off the gas especially not until we've at least won the group Hmm. Frank Lampard knows how key it is to win the group yeah I agree with that I do agree with that it it, it is important if we win the group knowing that who knows? We could end up facing. As, we can end, uh, we can end up with a worse draw. We could end up with a worse draw, but well, you can't exactly. that. You have to play the percentages. You know, Frank Lampard is a very, very, very experienced Champions League campaigner. Played in, you know, what twelve, thirteen, fourteen campaigns or whatever it was, and it, it, you know he knows that he knows what it takes to win it. So um, yeah, I think I think that I don't imagine he'll. He, like I said, even if we top the group and it was the last game and we were definitely going to win the group I still feel like it would be our first 11 would still be from our 16 players that were playing week in week out it'd just be a rotated team and he wouldn't let us go easy I do agree with that so that was Krasnodar last night you know good 4-0 win always nice to see different players scoring rather than you know the same one over and over and over again and it's nice to, at this stage, to have topped the group because last season we didn't top the group, did we? No. You know, we lost against Valencia at home. We yeah. then went away to Lille. Yeah, Tammy. Yes, you know, with that big result in France. So at the moment there is steady progression. Warren, just uh, touch bases before we move on. How nice was it to see the boss watch us last night? Well, th- this is the thing. I um obviously my 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 partner, my girlfriend, she um she doesn't mind a little bit of football. Um it's on a lot more than she would have it on if I wasn't there. It has to be said. Um but she doesn't mind a little bit of football. And I was sat there last night and I was having a, you know, a couple of beers for the game and then just 5 minutes before obviously when the players were just about to walk out, they showed Roman the absolute silver fox that he is now looking really really well and uh i just literally just like burst out i was like hey there's roman hey go on roman my son <laughs> absolutely fantastic and not only that this is another point i wanted to touch on not just roman 
and there was the one flag. It's a shame that we couldn't be there in proper numbers, but how fantastic was it to have fans back in the stadium? Yes. It was absolutely uh, yes. brilliant. And I, and I think it made a difference to our performance, perhaps, as well. Um, there was Well, Frank mentioned that on BT last night. He did say that the because of the supporters, yes, not a lot of them were Chelsea fans, but the fact that his side has not played in front of supporters for months, yeah. he said was refreshing, and he he believed the players got a huge buzz out of it, which made their performance a lot better. Well, have you have you noticed that in, in the leagues and in the matches, um, whether it be Champions League or domestically, but in the countries where fans are allowed back in their stadiums, their results were a lot more normal compared to the Premier League. And it was like last night, you know, that was an, a performance that you would expect from Chelsea because it was in, so it was a normal performance because it was as as near as makes no difference, played under normal circumstances. Mm. Which is why I think it's very hard to judge anyone for the job that they're doing at the minute because of the unique circumstances. How can you account for this? What What's considered a good job? We have no reference point. Well, you look at, what's happening in leagues around Europe. You look at Madrid and Barcelona. You look at mm. Juventus. You look at even Bayern Munich to an extent. They've you know, had some weird results, didn't they? They've had some yes, ones. You know, yeah. So it's, it's not just the Premier League, which is why I think, and I've mentioned this to a number of people, I think the Premier League is going to be one of those open seasons where anyone, and I mean anyone, can win it. We could end up seeing another Leicester win the league obviously I'd rather have Chelsea win it let's not not mention too many other more teams no 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 no. let's not mention any more shite you know uh, for today but big win yesterday I'm expecting another big performance against Burnley on Saturday I'm expecting three points well we do have a good record against Burnley you yeah. know, um, I, I seem to remember 2010, we played against oh, Burnley Fabregas, at Turf Moor. Fabregas', Fabregas pass. That was 2015, you know, Fabregas yeah. and Scherler against Burnley. John Terry scoring that late winner against yeah, that Burnley. Was, that, was, that, that was when, see, now that day was when we knew something had happened with John Terry, but we wasn't sure what, and it was the Wayne Bridge thing, because he had taken out the uh, media embargo thing, like the injunction. And he scored that day, yeah. And then a couple of days later, we went to Everton, and I was there. And it had all come out, what he had done and everything. And, oh, my God, did we sing his name loud all night long. And he, he gave us a few chest beats and all the rest of it, you know, when he was coming up for corners. And he gave us... A, there was one moment when he was coming up, and he gave us a really solid thumbs up as he was coming past and started beating his chest because we was just... But he was still... didn't matter to us. We didn't give a fuck. Could have, shagged our, could have shagged our wife. We would have let David Luiz do it. We would have definitely let John Terry do it. <laughs> so, like, he was still a hero to us. And I think that made... I think that probably helped him in that time in his life, having that support from the Chelsea fans. I know he's mentioned it before. The unconditional love that he's always felt from Chelsea and what he reciprocates back to the club as well. So, yeah, no, that was... Uh, yeah, just sorry. Just mentioning that Burnley game reminds me of that moment in time. Just him running up and just beating his chest. <laughs> Well, and even last year under Frank, when we beat Burnley 4-2 with Christian Pulisic scoring that hat-trick, again, Burnley haven't really lit up the Premier League 
on fire yet and with Do they only have one point? Something like that, yes. I, I, I am expecting a win yeah. to continue our good form. I, I'm, I'm, I just feel that with the fluidity, with the options that we have in attacking options, with Rudiger, it seems, back in the fold, again, I mean, I'm, I'd actually love to see a back three with the centre-backs of Zuma, Rudiger and Thiago Silva. I think that would look so strong with Mendy as the goalkeeper. Uh, what, what I like about Rudiger coming back in the fold is that he can only make us stronger because we had enough there without him potentially. So if he comes back in and plays really well, he can only make us stronger. And if he doesn't come in and play really well, someone else will get their chance. So he can't. He can only make us stronger. That's the beauty of Rudiger. Yes, most most definitely. So that's on Saturday at three o'clock, and with the news, and we will slightly mention it, Warren. I know that it's it's not great to hear, but. The game's going to be fourteen ninety five for those in England that wish to pay. In America, and I've seen it on Instagram and other social media sites, the you know the guys out in America that are following Chelsea, they don't need to pay any more instalments. They can just have brisket, beer, and watch it to their heart's content. Yeah, it's, over it's on, in this country. It's, it's, on, it's on it's on NBC East, so. Well, yes, if you wish to, you know, look at streaming sites, obviously we're not advocating, you know, illegal streaming or anything. No, but it is what we're going to be doing. Well, you might. I might be a bit busy. <laughs> I, oh, well, I've, yes, yes. well, yes, I might um, I might have to give that one a miss. <laughs> and um, Well, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be streaming it. What I will say about it... Um, we said that we didn't really want to sort of like mention it, but what we will mention, um, because it's a positive from it, is the amount of money that's been raised for charities around the country and everything in protest. Instead of paying the fourteen ninety five, they've donated it to yes. a, a charities local to their clubs and they're important to the local areas. And I know they've raised an awful lot of money. Um, I know that Marcus Rashford has got the millionth signature on his petition and everything i know that he's doing really really good work not just in the community but for the whole country um and he's really really looking out for people so regardless of whoever he plays for and whatever he may have said or done or if there's a particular reason why someone doesn't like and credit where credit's due for all of those fans and indeed marcus rashford in the last um well just in the recent times really as well um with everything that's going on, it's fantastic to see people looking out for people still. So what I would say is if you was considering paying for it um, and you didn't mind streaming it or something, do your best to find a stream and give that money to charity because, you know, they all, they, they do seem to all go to good causes and stuff. And what a way to represent your club and represent yourself than donating that money to charity and even just waiting for match of the day why not eh why not go old school about it yes go old school go down go down 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 retro day why not have a retro day eh go down sorry I was just going to say just go down nostalgia street you know last last uh, show I did was we was going through the archives the vaults on Chelsea matches yes Wait until half ten at night on the BBC. And give the money to charity. How about Give that? the money to charity. Watch it on Match of the Day. Don't worry. You know, it's not the end of the world. Or even keep, yeah, the, money to, or even keep the money for yourself. Look, money's tight. Times are hard. Do you know what I mean? Keep that money and yourself. Christmas and is coming it. up. 
and Christmas is coming and there's lots of things. So even if you can't afford to give it to charity, you know, charity starts at home as well. We must we we appreciate that here. So um yeah, absolutely, you know. More now than ever. And and, and, and let, let us know how it went. If you have a retro night, you know, get in touch with us at the Blue Day Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know on our Instagram and our YouTube and our Facebook, which is the Blue Day Podcast. We've been getting some comments and views and likes and everything on there recently, so that's going really well. So head over there. We've got, you know, my goal reactions on there from last night, and we've got some brilliant archive footage all the all the podcasts are up there they're all organizing playlists so everything's easily found and everything on the youtube and um we've got a lot of ex chelsea players that are following us and liking us on instagram so get involved in that and see their comments and stuff so um yeah get around it but uh yeah i'm expecting a win on saturday for sure well warren we're looking to make it big in this country we've made it big in america because certain American Chelsea supporters groups are, are, are now looking at us. We've now hit Australia. Indeed. We've now hit Australia. Too I want to give too much further away. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to a chap called Greg who contacted me in the early hours of Tuesday evening, and I was up for a particular reason. He has messaged me saying, "Hi Keith, I'm from Australia." Been a fan since Rachel Welsh. And for those that don't know her, look it up. And actually type in her name plus type in Peter Osgood's name. And then you'll know who she is. Was living in Fulham, but now moved to Australia. Keep up the great work that you and your co-host is doing. I'll be listening and looking forward to your podcast every single week from Australia. Greg, top man. Thank you very much for getting in touch. So how about it? England, America and Australia. Yeah, well, this is this is kind of what we said. Um, I remember in the very, very first episode, the one of the first thing you asked me was, you know, what are, you know, what what do you think about the podcast? What are your sort of aspirations for it? What do you want to achieve? What what are we here for? What are we going to do kind of thing? And I remember saying that I just wanted to appeal to as many Chelsea fans as possible. And if that is people in Australia or people that live two doors down from me um it's fantastic to reach out to absolutely anybody but it is particularly exciting when somebody from another country gets involved especially somewhere so far away and obviously their times are completely different so it's quite hard to follow Chelsea out there so um I know a lot of people that um through Facebook and stuff that are in Australia and America that listen to a lot of podcasts and stuff like that, which is, again, um, thank you very much for tuning in regularly and everything. And, yeah, you know, big shout out. Thank you very much. Definitely. Most, most definitely. Warren, we're going to do a countdown for the great Ron Chopper Harris. Yes. Chelsea royalty (laughs) that will be appearing on the podcast in November. And I can announce that the show... For Ron Chopper Harris, he will be on the podcast on the 13th of November. It is a very special episode of the Blue Day podcast. Ron Chopper Harris will be on the show. We will be asking him questions, reflecting back on his Chelsea career. That will be on the 13th of November. So please join us for that special episode. Warren, I'm excited. I know for a fact that you're excited (laughs) for it. This is this this is huge for us, you know, considering that we have only started this podcast in September. Yeah. 
Mm. And when I, you know, when it was first an idea that I came up with, I wasn't expecting someone of Ron Harris's stature and calibre to be our first ex-Chelsea player guest. He certainly will not be the last. Yeah, with regards to having Ron Harris on the show, I've been obviously aware of it for some time now. I can't wait for it. And honestly, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I can promise you, listeners, the one thing I can promise you is that it's going to be a really, really, really brilliant podcast and it's going to be such an exciting listen and it's going to be so fascinating to listen to the man. I mean, he's got... He's got some stories that people won't know about that they've not heard about before. There's certain questions that um, myself and Keith have obviously researched and stuff, and there's some really, really good content in there, and I can't wait. So to end the show today, because this is going to be a shorter version of the Blue Day podcast for today, we will be back on Sunday slash Monday. Yes, depending on the availability of both of us. However, to end the show today isn't just Harry J. Neal stars, but it is the audio commentary. It's part two of the 1970 FA Cup final between Chelsea and Leeds United. The audio commentary from Sunday was the game at Wembley. This one is the replay that was done at Old Trafford. Some great piece of commentary that was done in the 1970s and if you haven't actually seen the game in its entirety I urge you to find the DVDs of the game because it is still available to find whether it's on Amazon or any other establishment that will sell that particular type of DVD. Sorry to cut you off there Keith they are also available I've noticed in the last week that both the first game at Wembley and indeed the replay at Old Trafford both of them the full programme BBC broadcast is available on YouTube. Well, there you go. But if you want to have a piece of history in your hand, buy the DVD. If you want to watch it and you've got some time on your laptop, watch it on YouTube. But fellow Chelsea supporters, I have been Keith Lawrence. He's been Warren. We'll leave you now with the official audio commentary of Chelsea versus Leeds United in the 1970 FA Cup final replay as we continue our countdown for the great, the one and only Ron Chopper Harris on the Blue Day podcast. Carefree, everybody. The crowd gets a sight of their heroes. draw at Wembley uh, earlier this month. 
the thought is that there might be a slightly different tactical lineup. David Weber had such a terrible time against Eddie Gray down that Leeds left flank. May well move to the centre of defence and Ron Harris looking after Gray and prompted, of course, by Charlie Cook. Leeds make one change. Gary Sprake is sidelined by injury. He picked up that injury against Celtic in the European Cup. David Harvey comes into goal. A big test for him. Once more, that redoubtable Leeds defence will be marshalled by Jack Charlton. And away we go. Johnny Giles, number 10. Down that right-hand flank. This is a good-looking move now for Leeds. And a dangerous ball coming in. And it's still not over. And in the end, it's... Well, it came off Dempsey. And somehow Peter Bonetti picked it up. They could so easily... Here's Harris. Chelsea at last putting one or two things together. Osgood! But it's gone wide. Harris. Here's Cooper. Might try a shot himself. Well, it very nearly turned into something. And Lorimer puts it across the face of the goal there. Clark puts it back again. Chelsea in trouble. And Lorimer with a spectacular volley. Can only put it behind for the corner. So a chance for Chelsea to put some... Again. Yes, there he is. And he wants it too. And Bonetti punching it clear. Lorimer trying to get it there. That was a good corner in from Eddie Gray. Really testing the Chelsea keeper. Just as the Chelsea defence is being tested here. And Cooper will now try and keep this pressure on them. Cross comes in. Mick Jones. A shot on the turn, but it's well wide the Chelsea net. Oh, and they've given it away again. But uh, Jones couldn't take advantage of it. Dempsey was there again for the London side. Oh, and it's a bad ball there. Lorimer across the face of the goal. And it's uh, Eddie McCready who brings it away for Chelsea. That was a terrible mistake there. Alongside him, and here's Remner breaking out. This is a good break for Leeds United. Finding Alan Clark, and Clark just wide. Just for Leeds as the white shirts of Leeds come forward once more. Clark. This is a better break. And now for Mick Jones. A good break by Jones. And he's still going on for Jones. A goal! Leeds got a terrific run by Mick Jones. Sure about the injury to Benetti, whether he could possibly have saved that he's gone down early. He may even was hit with such power. And Vic Jones, who cost Leeds £100,000 from Sheffield United, has put Leeds into the lead here at Old Trafford. Clark had a hand in it, but it was a terrific run, 10 minutes from half time, by Mick Jones. And a wonderful shot on the end. And now Chelsea taking up the challenge and Charlie Cook's shot. Tom Reavy, the Leeds United manager, anxious moment now for him and his side as that ball goes into that box again. But in the end, it's belted clear by Billy Bremner. First replay since 1912 in an FA Cup final, and the first ever following a Wembley final goes into the second half here at Old Trafford with Leeds leading by a goal to nil.
wide this time for Eddie Gray. Leeds keeping up this pressure now. Terry Cooper now. Can Cooper get to this one? Right beside the byline, chips a beautiful one in towards Mick Jones. But Dempsey's up there and the shot just goes wide. So problems for Chelsea in defence now. Curling under that crossbar. He had it and he lost it and it was knocked off the line there by McCready. I think there may have been a foul on the goalkeeper. Jack Charlton disputing that point. But David Webb making the other point. And Chelsea getting a goal, rather a free kick. Good break by Leeds United and an excellent save by Benetti. Hinton, the Chelsea substitutes alongside Dave Sexton. Clark overhead. Well, that came off Tommy Baldwin, and look how quickly Terry Cooper. Here's Hollins again. And now Osgood. Hutchinson. Cook takes it up. Osgood's got on his run. And there's the ball coming in. Osgood! A wonderful goal! A fantastic strike by Chelsea. And Osgood, Hutchinson who took it on. Cook then with that lovely little chip. And there Osgood getting in behind. Beautiful header. And the man who scored in every round so far has now put Chelsea level at 1-1. A terrific strike by Chelsea with just 12 minutes of the game left. When Leeds looked to be stifling the life out of it, Harvey with no chance at all. But what a wonderful chip from Charlie Cook. And a terrific header from Peter Osgood. Chip that found him. And there aren't many people in that crowd there that would disagree with that. For this corner. in under that crossbar again headed off the line it was Mick Jones but I think there was uh, an infringement there it was Jones's header but uh, Chelsea got it off the line the referee had spotted an infringement had to get out there saying to McCready get on with the game it's uh, going on and indeed it is and it's Osgood playing it now for Hutchinson and he's oh he's hitting into the side netting kick to Leeds and Bremner still clutching his face after that challenge from Eddie McCready he's had a much happier game than he had at Wembley Dempsey up for this time and it came for Bremner he fell down the referee saw nothing wrong Bremner thought there should at least have been a penalty there and Chelsea get it away again Cooper stopped that time by Cook into a lot of space here now for Peter Lorimer. Towards the far post. And Jones coming in on the far side. It was a very difficult angle for him. For Hinton of Chelsea. And Leeds get this first period of extra time underway. Here, a good angle for him with this long throw. 
Charlie Cook went towards him and Hutchinson said, no, let's try one, a longer one into the uh, Leeds box again just to see what that might produce. It's a good long one. Not going again towards David Webb! And Chelsea are in the lead for the long throw of Ian Hutchinson. He was touched on and the big defender David Webb, who had such a check has managed to bundle it past Harvey and into the net. A little flick on, up goes Webb, came off his chest. He doesn't mind and neither do the Chelsea fans. But now, for the first time, both at Wembley and at Old Trafford, Chelsea are in the lead. Right on the stroke of half-time in extra time. He's gone forward and had stayed forward. Maybe now covering Hunter, but it's now Peter Osgood. There's a chance now, and it's hit in the net. It's offside. It's offside. It won't count. Hutchinson put it there, but the flag was up almost at once, and the goal will not count. And it'll remain Chelsea two, Leeds United one. Nick Jones with it. Well, they're going to leave it for Eddie Gray to play it into the centre. Lorimer to try and make something of it. And indeed that came off John Hollins for the corner. One of the Chelsea players kicked it behind the goal to waste a bit more time. And Alan Clark saying to the referee, I hope you'll notice that ref and add a bit of time on. Well, by my watch it's about five minutes now to go. At the end of a pulsating night of cup tie football. And Chelsea just hanging on in there. It's Cook who got it away, but not very well. And a little flip and it's still not away until Webb makes it clear for Chelsea out of their own half that must be frustrating for their fans as Cooper brings it forward again a delicate little cross coming in an accurate one as well Dempsey got up above them Hall Giles trying to turn it back in again Hunter's there also Hinton gets it away and Hinton now can bring it clear for Chelsea the goal kick for the injured Peter Bonetti and there goes the final whistle and Chelsea have won the cup come from behind twice at Wembley and behind here at Old Trafford tonight after Mick Jones had put Leeds ahead in the first half a terrific goal from Peter Osgood made it 1-1 and then the long throw from Ian Hutchinson was rounded off by David Webb 2-1 delighted Dave Sexton the Chelsea manager who masterminded this Chelsea performance here tonight Alan Hudson you got a glimpse of him who couldn't quite make it into the Chelsea side but Chelsea side overjoyed after the terrific effort they put into tonight, particularly when they were hard up against it throughout that first half. But it's a night of celebration for their fans. So long looked as though they might have got it won. But in the end, Chelsea found the goals and the form. That means that they got to receive the cup, Ron Harris, from Dr. Andrew Stephen, chairman of the Football Association, Dennis Follows, the FA secretary alongside him. And Harris lifts the cup, and Chelsea say it's ours. Peter Bonetti, in spite of the injury, and John Hollins and Peter Hausman. Tommy Baldwin, who had such a difficult night against Terry Cooper. Charlie Cook, whose wonderful chip led to Peter Osgood's goal, that started the Chelsea recovery. And Ian Hutchinson wearing the Leeds United shirt of Norman Hunter. I've got a 
feeling the FA dignitaries think that they are Leeds United players and say, no, the Chelsea players have got to come first. Can that be? It's possible. But Ian Hutchinson uh, with Chelsea through and through. That set Chelsea towards their celebration lap of honour here at Old Trafford tonight. And just listen to the reception they're getting from those Chelsea fans. That's been a real hard grafting battle for Chelsea. But they came through on top. And their name goes onto that FA Cup. Winners in 1970, beating Leeds United by two goals to one after extra time. Podcast Network.